Alrighty, we're back with uh, another episode of uh, Behind the Vinyl. Um, we recently had uh, Billy Sheehan. I sure did. Absolutely. And now we have the wonderful Nita Strauss. Wow, what an honor, Billy <laughs> Sheehan and me. Yeah. And how fitting, given what we're going to talk about. Exactly, hence the reason. We, we talked a lot about Edom, Edom as well, oh, cool. which I've often heard you refer to as well. Of course. And uh, tonight we're going to talk about um, Passion and Warfare. I love that. Steve Vai's second record. That's mm. right, yeah. Yeah, um, and, a, and a massive influence on, on you. On me, and I think so many other guitar players as well. You know, I mentioned that record in my clinics, and people go, oh, of course. <laughs> it's almost like, duh. You know, Passion and Warfare, I think, is uh, so many people's gateway drug into instrumental music. Well, I think it was a game changer, right? It's uh, it kind of blue. I, I kind of think Passion and Warfare and, and probably Surfing with the Alien from, from Joe. Satriani, yeah. yeah. Of course. Definitely. And they kind of changed the instrumental thing from just being guitar noodling and... Yeah, to uh, songwriting. To, just to songwriting, to yeah. actual songs, yeah. I think to this day, still the only instrumental guitar song I've ever heard on the radio is Summer Song. Oh really? Just on like regular rock radio. Right. You know, yeah. it's just it's a song. It's not just uh, you know if you hear uh, Satriani. Actually, well, I've heard now. I've actually I've heard my songs. <laughs> but uh, right, yeah, absolutely. But um, but you know, as a kid growing up, you didn't really you don't hear instrumental music. No. Some I guess some stations would play Eruption if you count Eruption. Yeah. Right. You know, and then uh, and that's pretty much it. We can always count Eruption. You can totally. Of course eruptions. you can. Definitely. That, that's that's, that's the one. No, but I remember like back in the like the mid '80s and and and, and radio in Sweden, we had uh, like one show every week that played like metal. Nice. And then you had all the Tony McAlpines and uh, right. was it Jason Becker and yeah. all these guys came out, and that's when it started being like a thing. And that's I think around that time I got into the more instrumental stuff. Um, so was Ingve already big here in Sweden by the time he got big in the States? No, I mean I think he he um, he he went to the States and he got big there and then he got yeah, big yeah, over here as well. That's kind of what I thought, but I was never really sure if you know did it start here and did it finish there? Or did it I, I think there? it really started with with, uh, with shrapnel, shrapnel records. Yeah. Yeah. It, did, it did, it did absolutely. Yeah. I, I talked to Ingve not too long ago actually. Oh, you did? Yeah. How's he doing? He's doing good <laughs> <laughs> down in Florida. Driving his Ferraris. Driving his Ferraris. Best and life. Absolutely, got his car, uh, cars and his guitars and all that stuff. No, but he's a funny guy. He's an interesting guy. So it's funny. I I, uh, I did an interview earlier today with a Swedish guitar player, Ola England. Oh, wonderful and, uh, guy. Yeah. Yeah, and. Uh, so when I put a post up on my Instagram saying I had coffee with a certain Swedish guitar player because his interview series is called Coffee with Ola. Right. And everyone said, you had coffee with Ingve? <laughs> <laughs> How's he doing? And people, you know, I'm like, no, there are other guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's for sure. That's yeah. for sure. Plenty of other Swedish guitar players that drink coffee. Absolutely. Oh, hell yeah. Ola's an amazing guitar player. Absolutely. Absolutely. And his, yeah. uh, his little... Um, you know, YouTube thing. His playing is just crazy. Oh yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah, so. I'm a big fan. It was it was great to be on the show. Yeah. Cool. So um, let's dig around the album a little bit. So it came out in May 1990. So yeah. You're, you're four years old, right? Yes. <laughs> right. Okay. Roughly. Yes. <laughs> Roughly. Let's see, and, um, I would have been three. May I would have been three and a half years right, old. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so a little too young to appreciate it. Still. Right. I think. Yeah. Shredding in diapers. <laughs> <laughs> and and I heard your kind of gateway into Steve Vai was um, Crossroads. 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 That's okay. right. Which come out basically before you were born. Was it really it before? It came out I was in 1986, born? the beginning 86. of 1986. Oh, yeah, sure. It was I've never seen it. What? No. 
Are you serious? Yeah. No, never got around to it. I know this isn't my podcast, but you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> you are no, for fired, some, For sir. some reason, uh, I, I never saw it. And, and uh, I kind of like, like uh, Ralph in Karate Kid and all that stuff. I love that stuff. But I never got, I don't know, this, this for some reason. Ralph a little bit of credit. Yeah. This you actually yeah. looked and thought, actually, this kid could be pretty cool. Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure. I mean, the the movie itself is not great. No. <laughs> like, the entirety of the movie. But, you know, I, I always tell guitar players that haven't seen Crossroads, they say, but I've seen the ending. Mm. But you have to see the rest of the film to appreciate the ending. Like, it only works if you see the rest of it. Right, right. So I I I feel strongly that you should go see it. It's on it's on iTunes. <laughs> yeah, I'll you, check I'll check it out. <laughs> I actually own it and I have it on my phone. In oh case I ever wow! Need a refresher. All right. On my iPad That's nice. Yeah. That's nice. Steve is the coolest in it. The, the coolest. Yeah. The absolute coolest. I always say, like all the time, I say to this date, I still aspire to be as cool as Steve Vai was in Crossroads. Right. Right. That's nice. You got to check it out. Without, yeah, I will. Like, well, without <laughs> I will. all the, sell, the soul-selling part, I don't want any of that part. <laughs> but he, he kind of, he, he looked evil in it. He, he, he He's just got looked this, this possession. Yeah, you know, and this, this eyes, and he kind of plays, and he kind of laughs. And oh, yeah. It's, yeah, right. It's awesome. It, it's excellent. So he's obviously playing an Ibanez there, as right. he does, you mm. know. Um, and you've got your own Ibanez now. I do, yeah. I have a yeah. signature Ibanez. So first first female That's guitarist right. to, to have a signature edition Ibanez. That's right. Which is amazing. How, how does that feel to be playing the the same brand of of guitar as you, as you ultimately your guitar hero? You know, uh, that was obviously a big driving force for me, you know, to play Ibanez in the first place. And I was... Uh, and, you know, I had an Ibanez, I had an RG120, which is the cheapest Ibanez that they have ever made. You know, it's a, it's a, it's got a floating bridge, but not a double locking trim. So guitar players out there will know how terrible that is. Right. You know, it costs less than $200, you know. And uh, it was still my favorite guitar that I owned. I had a Les Paul Special and I had a Parker Fly. You know, I was a seasoned guitar player by this point. But I played this cheap Ibanez more than anything. And when I had my first meeting with, you know, the Ibanez of brass i said all my heroes are ibanez players and it would be such a huge honor for me to be in this family with them and represent this brand to the best of my ability and if you don't want to give me a deal i'll still proudly play ibanez guitars because all my heroes are ibanez players and i think that they're the best guitars that are being made and thankfully you know 11 years or so ago they gave me a deal and then a year about a year ago a year and a half ago now my signature guitar came out cool, Super cool. that's so funny because I, I know a lot of guitar brands but i i never played a guitar that's so but that's another thing that came from the 80s when you checked out all these like the the hit parader and the and Wait, the circus you, magazines and all that. You never played a guitar? No, I never played a guitar. You're saying no. everything to get yourself fired here. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Do you want to play mine? <laughs> like, should we play? No, I never learned. But I know all about, time, like, yeah. you knew about all the, like, the Jacksons and the BZ Riches and, sure. and all that stuff. So, checking out the posters of the cool guys. 
the posters are everything. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Ibanez, at the LA Custom Shop, they have a lot of the old school posters. You know, even the, the guys who no longer are with Ibanez, like John Petrucci and Red Beach and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's really, really cool to see. That's really cool. Yeah, uh, uh, Petrucci used to play on Ibanez, right? Oh, yeah. He, he played Wise signature. No, no, he had he? his own signature, the JP. Right, uh, okay. And it was uh, that sort of Picasso-looking finish. Right, Picasso, okay. Picasso, uh, like a profile, looked like a profile of the face. Right. Really cool looking. Love it. So, um, uh, so back to uh, passion and warfare. Yeah, oh yeah. When, when did you when did you first discover that, and and what can you remember? What brought you to that record? Yeah, so I saw Crossroads when right. I first started playing guitar, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Who is that guy?" And my dad said, "Well, that's Stevie Vai." He called him Stevie Vai, Stevie Vai. and uh, and I said, "Well, how do I how do I find out about this?" So I went to the Tower Records by my house, and. Uh, and I didn't even know which one was the album to get. But, you know, when you're a kid, you look at the cover of the records mm. to decide which one you're going to get. So um, so I picked out Passion and Warfare. And from the second that I heard it, you know, I put it in the CD player and I was just so hooked. And what's even funnier is now I look at that album cover and there's really two ways to look at it, I think, now. Because if you can picture the album cover in your mind... He's sort of looking down at the guitar. It's very sort of like tranquil. But I always saw it up until literally this year. I looked at his eyelids and I thought that they were open. He had this sort of blank eyes, like looking straight with his fire in his eyes. And I was like, I, it's just so interesting. There's there's different ways to look at that cover. I, maybe in the different phases you're in in your life. Maybe I'm a little calmer now <laughs> or something. But um. It was the cover that grabbed me first, and I didn't know at the time that it was this life-changing, you know, album for so many people. I just thought, I'll take, you know, it's it's that or Fire Garden. That's what they had in the store, and I picked that. Yeah. And, uh, and it, it changed my life. It really did. Actually, Fire Garden has my favorite Vice song. Oh, it's on. so good. It's I mean, so the, good. the album's amazing, but yeah, yeah. it wasn't my first one. Okay, cool. They have a song <laughs> called Brother, Brothers or Brother? Brother, I think it's called Brother. Uh-huh. Just phenomenal. <laughs> See, Vi come off the back of Eden's David Lee Roth. Yeah, David Lee Roth. Yep. Um, and when he did Crossroads, he really hadn't done much. He'd been in Alcatraz and he'd been in Zappa. But yeah. I mean, right. for him to get cast in that was pretty, pretty weird. And then he stepped into the, you know, with the biggest, the biggest band in the world or the biggest lead singer at that time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then to to release this, are there any any songs that stand out for you? I mean. You know, for me, the coolest thing that I've, that I've like, you know, For the Love of God is going to be the first one that everybody says. Mm. And that was, absolutely. you know, that's, I think, still maybe the greatest piece of guitar music that's ever been written. But um, I have a cool memory of one of these songs, and that is that I believe it is actually a year ago today or a year ago tomorrow. Um, I had the immense honor to jam with Steve. Um, oh, okay. 
for his, uh, he had a charity event called the Big Mamma Jamma Jamathon. And it was uh, something like a 72-hour straight jam uh, at uh, in Hollywood, where we, where we live, uh, to benefit Extraordinary Families, which is a charity he works with. Mm. And uh, so I got an email from Steve, you know, to my actual email inbox from the <laughs> Steve Spies email. <laughs> And he said, uh, hey, I'm doing this thing. Um, if you're in town, I would love for you to be a part of it. And I had a flight to London that day for the UK guitar show. And I said, look, I would be so honored. And, you know, and everybody's guesting on this thing. And he had every guitar player from, you know, every band over the course of this three days. And I said, I would love to, but I'm flying to London. Is there any chance I can play early in the day? He said, yeah, sure. You can go first. <laughs> like, oh, no pressure. <laughs> so there, and he said, um, we're going to do a song um, from one of my albums called The Animal. And he, then he sent it to me as if I hadn't heard it. <laughs> he attached it to the email. Here it is for your reference. I said, yeah, no, I know. It's track three on the album that changed my life forever. <laughs> Um, so I got to play uh, the animal and trade solos with Steve uh, on that. And so for that reason, um, that song will always have really special meaning for me. Yeah. What was that like playing with your – I mean, was that totally nerve-wracking or – It was more nerve-wracking before it happened. Right. You know, when you before the moment. Uh, I rarely get nervous these days to play um, just because it's just – it's the only thing I do. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, all I do is play guitar and, and work out. <laughs> yeah. I only do two things. So I, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable doing both of them. But playing with Steve, like, I was just going over it in my head over and over and over again. And, and knowing, of course, I have to go literally in my stage clothes straight to the airport. Right. And my album, uh, my single came out that day, too. So it was just, like, this massive day. Like, the album release date dropped. The single and music video came out. Like, everything. And... And it all happened that morning, and then I had to go to the airport. <laughs> so, like, it was, you know, it was this big chaotic day, and I didn't have too much time to get nervous. But when I got on stage with Steve, you know, we sort of had this moment during the show when we were almost nose-to-nose, -nose, you know, we were just trading solos, and, and he wanted to do kind of a call-and-response thing, and he would play something, and I would play something, and think. God, it wasn't like a real call and response because he would have just destroyed me. Like I wasn't supposed to really copy what he was doing, but it was just a call and an answer. Like he'd play right. something and I'd play something and sort of complimentary. And then at the end, he said, uh, I just want us both to just play, just shred for like four bars at the same time. And so then like I just kind of got to cut loose and just stay in key and just not really worry too much about what I was playing because there was the band, Steve's incredible band playing and, and it was it was insane. It was magical to get to have that experience. Nice. That's so cool. Yeah. Steve Wise, I used to play a little bit of guitar. There's uh -huh. a couple around the house still, but um, James Hetfield and yeah. Tony Iommi and uh -huh. all that kind of stuff made you want to pick up the guitar. Oh, totally. Um, Steve Vai would sometimes make me want to put it down. I'd just be like, <laughs> oh, man, are See, you serious? Me, I, I know <laughs> what you're talking about, but for me, Vai has always been a guitar player that makes me go like, how do you do that? I want to do that. Right, okay. There are so many guitar players that I find, you know, even at the level that I'm at, which is, you know, I, I can play a lot of stuff, but there are some guitar players that I listen to and I go, 
I don't even want to try. Like, it just sounds really difficult. Yeah. Do you want to name some of them? Interested. <laughs> well, yeah, your boy Malmsteen. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, oh my god, I never. You know, like you get that feeling. Like you know, sometimes you see on social media people go, "I'm just gonna burn my guitar." You know. And yeah. yeah. Sometimes you get those guitar players that just make you want to burn your guitar. But for me, Steve Vai is a guitar player that makes me. It gets me inspired. It makes me go like, however, whatever that guy's doing, that looks like fun. You know, you look at Jack Butler and Crossroads. Mm. Yep. You know, what Whatever that is, that sounds like fun. I want to do that. Yeah. It sounds like it's cool. That's really cool. I think there's, there's been guitarists through the years, like Jimi Hendrix. Oh, yeah. And Halen. Yeah. I would say probably then Steve Vai. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and now probably um, Tom Morello. They're uh-huh. probably the, the ones I think of that have really changed the instrument. Have, right. Had a huh. massive effect on, on the instrument. On and the way the instrument On the way the instrument. Yeah. yeah. What, what Jimmy did and what Eddie did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what Steve Vai did. did and, yeah. Yeah. And then the I think probably... Innovators. Exactly. You know, you take a guy, maybe like a Matt Bellamy from Muse who put the chaos pad in the guitar that really like... Yeah, absolutely. You know, sort of innovate in that way. You know, stuff stuff like that I think is cool. Maybe not as much of a game changer as, as a Jimi Hendrix or, you know, the invention of two fin- two-handed tapping. But I think stuff like that is really, really cool. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there's a couple of stories from the from the record. One where he meditated for three days and played. You know, I think he fasted for three. Yeah, days. He did, uh, yeah, for yeah. several days, and he, I think and he, I read he that recorded he it on the for, for, for ten, ten days. days. Yeah, ten days. For, for the right. for uh, for the love of God. He yeah, exactly. For yeah. Ten days. Yeah. By the way, dedication. I tried it. It does not work. <laughs> <laughs> I think it only works for him. Yeah. Uh, it just made me very cranky. Right. <laughs> it didn't make me play any better. <laughs> if anything, I don't. I think it. You know. You know, my hands were not were a little shaky, and I didn't play well. And I definitely didn't make it ten days. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but I, I applaud him for for doing that to make such an incredible piece of music. Yeah. Whatever he did, it worked. Yeah. He did these like 12 hour long, or he regularly used, used to do, play for 12 hours and stuff. Yeah, like that, right? yeah. he just need a 10 hour guitar workout, right? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that him? You've yeah. ever done anything like that? I've played for 10 hours at a yeah. time, yeah, but you know, when I was a kid. <laughs> 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 Not now. <laughs> now I have emails to answer and <laughs> right. <laughs> the business of being a guitar player is so much more involved than just playing guitar. No. Yeah. But David Coverdale's on the album. Well, we got a bit of a cheat sheet here. The, the, yeah. the people on the record is which I didn't realize. <coughs> yeah, um, I didn't realize that either. Yeah, and and obviously his wife is on there. P is on there, and uh, Adrian Vandenberg. Adrian exactly, Rudy Zarso. Adrian Vandenberg's from here, isn't he? No, oh, he's, from he's from, from Holland. Holland. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dutch. Yeah. Yeah. Really. yeah, So close. So so it's really cool, and um, and also there's one where he he tracked thirty guitars backwards or something. Have you heard that rumor? I did not hear that, yeah, no, but that, I that would not be surprised. One of, one of the songs on the record is like uh, 30 guitar tracks. Right. All, did they say which backwards. one? Um, no. Huh. Maybe I should have done. Now you're giving me reason <laughs> to be saying. should have did a little extra research. No, no, I'm just curious. I want to go yeah. listen to it. You know, I I, uh, I have not really, like, researched the album that much. I've, you know, just sort of listened from a fan perspective. So it's... Uh, I would be really curious. Yeah, I think David uh, David Coverdale's a bit of spoken word on there. Exactly. Yeah, that's what he's doing. Oh, and then there's, there's all these undertones, like the um, the audience is listening is a little bit of a Van Halen yeah, right. yeah, totally. tip to the hat. But th- that was kind of like the song that 
uh, growing up in Australia. That was the the song from this album that kind of broke. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Um, I, I guess with the video, that was kind of MTV time as well with that that right. video with the kid and the and the teacher on stage and, and yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, Stevie, now don't be nervous, honey. Okay, I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna introduce you, and then you're gonna come in with your guitar, and you're gonna play that nice, nice music you were telling me about. And while you're doing that, I'll be sitting in the back of the room. We'll have such a good time. So don't you be nervous, honey. It'll relax everybody, and we'll be so happy. I'm going to go now. I'll introduce you, okay? Hands up! Now, you kids, you, all of you, calm down. That's good. Okay? Everyone in your own seats. That's good. Okay. Now... Little Stevie Vai is going to play a composition on the guitar. He wrote it all by himself. Okay, Stevie, bring your three friends up. They can play with you. That's Steve Vai. What a nice little boy. I wrote this song for all my friends. When I grow up, I'm going to be a famous rock and roll guitar player. Love it. <laughs> Go ahead. Listen to me, And then he went to Whitesnake around this time. <laughs> and then he went to White Slip of the Tongue. Was that before? Or I my, see, this is all so far before my time. I don't know. Like, is, did, was Whitesnake, Whitesnake was, was after, after Passion and Warfare? That was yeah, strange. but still there's the connection with, with uh, Coverdale on the yeah, album. Was it, it was Vandenberg. Maybe, maybe it was just before. Um, I'm just People thinking that it's this around going. this time. Right, yeah. People are listening to this going, oh, my God, you guys yeah. are supposed to be telling us about <laughs> this. We all know this stuff. <laughs> But um, so I guess that's the connection also that, that Coverdale is on the album and Rudy Sars is on there. Rudy Sars and, and Adrian Vandenberg, yeah. basically. Exactly, the white snake people, this. yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Did, you, did you follow uh, Vice Korea from then as well? You know, I again, it was all so much later. You know, mm. talk about I'm I'm discovering all this stuff in 2000, 2001. Mm. Right, yeah. You know, so all of this had already happened. So I, I sort of got a mega dose of of all of it at once. You know, and I was getting into all the trapnel stuff. I was listening yeah. to Jason Becker and Marty Freeman and Cacophony and yeah. uh, Tony McAlpine and Greg Howe and uh, Paul Gilbert and Satriani and just sort of like you know, Sean Lane, Powers of Ten, and just uh, absorbing as much as I could of, of the scene. So my grasp of what happened at what time is still a little fuzzy yeah. because I was just inhaling it all as much as I could, you know. And again, this is in a time where there weren't a lot of guitar solos, you know, talking about the era of Corn and Limp mm. Bizkit yeah. and yeah. stuff being popular. So it wasn't really a guitar-heavy time yeah. in, in popular music. That, that's an interesting point. It, it wasn't, and you've recently released your your first solo record as well, mm. right. Controlled Chaos. That's right. Um, and and you could kind of argue that the same is for that now. It's not really. I'm trying to think of what instrumental guitar records have come out in the last couple of years that have really, really had the impact that yours has. You know, I I'm really blessed that mine has uh, made as much of an imp- impact as it has, and you know I'm. I give a lot of that credit to the Alice Cooper community mm. and, you know, the Iron Maidens, my previous band, and, like, all the bands that I've played with that have sort of given me this platform to say, hey, instrumental guitar music is rad, by mm. the way. Yeah. And uh, 
you know, I had so many people, so many detractors saying like, why aren't, you know, she needs to learn how to sing or she needs to hire a singer or do what other guitar players do and hire different singers for different tracks. And, and, you know, Josh and I really stuck to our guns and said, give this album a chance. And so many people after it came out, you know, this is the best compliment that I got. They said, I didn't think I was going to like a record with no vocals, but I liked it so much that now I'm going to go and buy Passion and Warfare or buy, you know, these other albums because now I understand what it's all about. It's not just shredding. People think like, oh, it's just one big long guitar solo. What a drag. And it's actually, you know, it's it's well-crafted songs if it's if it's done properly. Mm. Absolutely. Did did playing with Alice shape that at all? Because I've I've heard stories about how when you got the uh, got the Alice gig, you you had to you had to um, what do you what do you call it? Deshredify. Deshredify. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you didn't Bob Ezrin tell you? Yes. Hey, cut it back, and Absolutely. you had to go no. in two or three times. And yes, uh, exactly. They they told me to dial it back yep. um, three times exactly. They, uh, I can't even believe that they gave me three chances, but they did. <laughs> right, yeah. uh, they had no reason to. I'm very, really glad that they saw something, they saw enough in me to just say, like, you know, she's she can do it. No. And, and at least I was demonstrating ability and not like, you know, at least they're like, okay, she can do it. Just, just see if she can pull it back. And now the, the really cool thing is Alice has really embraced that style of my playing uh, so much that now we're incorporating a lot of the 80s Alice Cooper songs into the set. You know, we're playing a lot of the Kane Roberts stuff that yeah, he hasn't really, played yeah. since it came out. You know, I don't think we're doing Roses on White Lace on this tour, and I think he said he hasn't played that since 88. That's you know, right, we're yeah. doing uh, Teenage Frankenstein and um, a Bed of Nails, which is not Kane, but, mm. you know, it's still that sort of shreddy 80s era and, uh, and that's really gratifying for me to say, like, hey, you know what? He thinks highly enough of my abilities to yeah. put these challenging, complex songs in the set and, and let me take it and run with it. Love it. That's cool. That is great. And you're yeah, playing with awesome. Ryan, who's kind of half Swedish. And you're playing with Ryan Roxy. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Ameri-Swede. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny, actually, we're, you know, we're staying in a hotel here in Stockholm, and we all walked into the hotel and saw Ryan Roxy's face on the Stockholm magazine <laughs> cover. <laughs> So well, he's famous. Those, oh, yeah, yeah. Those magazines are only available in that hotel. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. In that particular block of rooms. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's for sure. That's um, for sure. Nita, thanks for your time. Thank um, you. Uh, good luck with everything. Uh, we look yeah. forward to future solo music coming from you as well. Oh, definitely. Yeah, and I'm uh, I'm working hard on album two as we speak, trying to fit in the time in between shows and clinics at the moment, but it's definitely coming. Nice. Excellent. Looking forward to it. Great. Thank you. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thank you. This is Greasy Kid Stuff Mix 12, Ground Zero, with the melody guitars up 0.3, bass up 0.4, kick down 0.5, overheads up 0.4, less gate on the snare, and 3dB added a 10k on the Poltex to the rhythm guitars. We're rolling. <laughs> 